Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this morning we come thankful for the sunshine. We come thankful, God, for one less hour of sleep. And thankful that we're here. Thankful, God, that you've given us enough strength and energy and ability and opportunity that we could still be here even though we're tired. Our bodies are are feeling that we slept a little bit less. God, but we're here today and we're glad we've made it. We have one great desire that you, God Almighty, Creator, Lord, King, Master, would speak to us. There is no speaking of God apart from His Word. You have taught us that. And there is no power at work in people's lives apart from the Holy Spirit. You have taught us that. And so, God, we desperately ask for you to do it. Father, speak. Spirit, work. That you might be worshipped here. That's our great desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn back to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, as we are moving right along through the book of Exodus, we have gone passage by passage, and now we're going to finish up chapter 4. If you remember, chapter 4 is what we were supposed to finish last Sunday, but we were unable to because of the weather and there were some concerns. So we, we ended church early last Sunday, and we did the Lord's Supper, and we focused in on that. Um, and so we did not go to Exodus, so it's been two weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we started chapter 4, and it was about the excuses that Moses came up with when God was calling him to go speak to Pharaoh. And so finally, God has uh, gotten Moses past his excuses, and Moses is going to be sent now. And, pa- and the passage today starts at Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. And as it says in your bulletin, the passage today is about disobedience. It's about disobeying. It's about the seriousness of disobedience. And I want to ask you here today, do you realize that disobeying is wrong? There is a great serious, a great seriousness to disobedience. It seems that we uh, are moving more and more in the direction of people don't care about doing wrong or they don't mind if they disobey. And that is sad and unfortunate. And the Bible wants us to know that it's wrong. God wants us to know that disobedience is wrong. Now, there's probably several reasons why we think sin or disobedience is is not a big deal. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know all of those reasons, but one of the main reasons why we seem to think disobedience is not a big deal now is because the consequences for sin and disobedience have been lightened. And if there's not going to be any punishment or any consequences, then you and I tend to think, well, there must not really be that much wrong with it. That's unfortunate. Because God has never lightened up His consequences. And so you and I have a distorted view of life and reality and God and judgment and sin and disobedience if we have begin or begun to think that way. Please do not think that way. There is a very real, legitimate seriousness to disobedience. There is. A very real one. You're going to see this in our, in our passage today. There was a time years ago when my mom as a little boy, y'all have heard this story before. You know that to me, the way somebody talks is a big deal. I personally hate foul mouths. Not just bad words, but just crudeness, a rudeness, uh, just a haughtiness, just a loose mouth. I can't stand it. I was that way before I got saved because my mom ingrained that into me. 
There was one time I was out in the front yard, and she'd been teaching me that from the beginning. And, and, and a boy hit me with a stick. We were fighting, playing, fighting. And a boy hit me with a stick. And when he did, I just let some stuff fly out of my mouth toward him. And my mom heard it. And so by the ear, she dragged me all the way into the house, back into her bedroom, and pulled out a big, fresh gold bar of dial soap. And I had to eat that whole bar of dial soap right there in my mouth, just cramming it into me. And she just ingrained into me, we will not talk that way. And if you like the taste of this soap, then do it again and you'll eat the soap again until you realize we're not going to talk that way. It's a big deal to me now, since then, that we would have foul mouths. And the reason why I learned that is because I learned that if I'm going to disobey my mom and be that way, then something serious, very, very serious is going to come from it. You don't do that. In a similar way, when I started driving at age 16 in North Carolina, you can have like full license at age 16. When, when I started driving early on, I, I used to get a lot of tickets. I didn't seem to think it was that big of a deal until I started to notice the consequences of tickets. My dad was never, ever, ever loose on me with tickets. Every ticket I've ever gotten in my whole life, my dad has had me take care of the whole thing, pay for every bit of it, uh, do all of the phone calling and interacting, even at the young age of 16. I had to do every bit of that. Well, if you've ever gotten a ticket and the way you handle that, you know that's pretty expensive. For 16 and 17, 18-year-old, it was really expensive. And so I learned really quickly, I would rather not get a ticket than get a ticket and deal with those consequences. I'm thankful for lessons like that. Now that I have a relationship with God... And I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus. I understand that God has told us there's a lot of things that we should do and a lot of things that we should not do. And we are not to take lightly when we disobey, when we sin. And God has given us hearts when he saves us that we would love him. And I hope that today's passage in Exodus 4, when we see Moses being slack, being uh, lazy in some areas of his relationship with God, God gets very serious with this awesome leader. Remember, Moses is the leader of the people of Israel. Moses is the man in the Old Testament. Moses is the first guy in the Old Testament that God has said, you're going to be our leader. And Moses is a good leader. There's this area that we're going to see today where he was slack when it came to faithfulness to God and the commands from God. And God got real serious with him. And I want to ask today that you would get real serious with sin and disobedience in your own life. Read with me, if you will, at Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do not see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. 
at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads. And worshipped. This is a good passage. This is a passage that comes full circle from obedience to disobedience back to obedience. This is a a passage that comes full circle from God trying to complete his plan to his people kind of interrupting uh, God's plan. And then it ends with God is still accomplishing his plan, his purpose. I like this passage. I'm going to give you four points today. The first is partial obedience. These will all start with a P. Try to help you out here. The second is power displayed. The third is punishment for disobeying. And the fourth is people that praise. Partial obedience, power displayed, punishment for disobeying. And lastly, people that praise. Number one, partial obedience. Last or, or two weeks ago when we were here in Exodus, you know that God has, has called Moses. He spoke to him in a burning bush. He says, you're going to go and tell Egypt to let my people go. That's the great story of the beginning of the Old Testament. That's the great story of the Exodus. Moses will go as the spokesperson for God, and he will tell Egypt and Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Release them out of slavery. We are taking them to the promised land. So God tells Moses to do that. Moses offers up all types of excuses, finally says, no, you're going to go. And here we pick up at verse 18. Moses finally says, okay, I'll go. Moses, verse 18, went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now, it's interesting here. I'm calling this partial obedience because what this looks like, verses 18 through 20, is that Moses is obeying. And he is. There's a lot of obedience in verses 18 through 20 that Moses is obeying. But I'm going to call it partial because he's about to disobey in a little bit. When you read these verses, it looks like he's obeying. Right? God has called him to go. Moses says, okay, I'll go. Now, some of the excuses that Moses had, you can see back at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses says, but, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Uh, chapter four, verse 10, Moses said, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Another excuse at chapter four, verse 13. But he said, oh, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And there were two other excuses back in chapter three. Moses was was full of these excuses. But now God has convinced Moses to go. Moses is going to go. And, and, and so Moses is going to go about this in the right way. Now, you know, he's been in Midian. He's been living with Jethro and he's got him a wife there, his wife's father. But I want to point out something to you. And this is a little side note. 
That just because you think you're starting to do things for God, this is where partial obedience comes in. Just because you think you're starting to do some things right for God doesn't mean that any other area of your life you can get slack in. Doesn't mean the people that aren't in tune with God that you can all of a sudden get slack in and be disrespectful to. Just because God's opened a door for you to get another job don't mean you can skate on that last job and, and, and quit in a wrong way. Doesn't mean you can be rude to this last girl because you're moving on to a more godly girl. Notice here. How has Moses just been called to get to Egypt? Through God speaking through a burning bush. This is one of the most unbelievable things in the scriptures, except for that it's of God. Okay, He's speaking to Moses from a burning bush, calling him. And on top of that, he's given him three miracles to go when he gets there. Right. You remember the staff turned into a snake. You remember his hand turned into leprosy. He's given him that. Okay. And when Moses goes back to his father, he just told God, I'll go. And when Moses goes back to his father-in-law, does he mention any of that? Does he bring any of it up? No. He goes just like a son-in-law would. Excuse me, sir. Can I have your blessing? I need to go back to Egypt now. I need to go back to where my people are. Can I go? It shows us that he was still humble and submitted to his father-in-law. It shows us that he knew what respect was. It shows us that he understood that when you get your life in line with God, it causes every area of your life to be in line. Young people, can y'all hear this today? Let's not be here on a Sunday morning and think, well, I got this aspect of my life right, okay? All the rest of my people are sleeping in because they were out too late. I got this aspect right. But the rest of your week can be out of line. That's not Christianity. That is not godliness. That's not what it means to worship God and to walk with him. I love this little part of the story here and the way he's interacting with his father-in-law. It shows manhood. It shows maturity. An immature person like you deal with a lot in life could have said, Hey, Jethro, I'm out of here, man. God's told me to do something. Peace out. I'll see you later. Maybe a text, right? But Moses goes there. He has a conversation with him, looks him in the eye. Jethro had done a lot for him, right? Has a conversation with him and says, okay, can I go? He says, go. He says, go in peace. And so look at verse 19. The Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. Remember why Moses was in Midian? Moses killed an Egyptian. And he was worried now that he was going to get in trouble. Indeed, he was going to get in trouble. The leadership of Egypt was going to get Moses in trouble. They were going to arrest him, maybe kill him. So he fled. God has now assured him that time's gone. Those people have died off. There's nobody there that still wants you. You can go back. The path is clear. The coast is clear, Moses. You can get back there. God assures him of that in verse 19. Now look at verse 20. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey... And went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. You stop right there and you think, yes, here comes the story. Here comes the exodus. God's called out Moses to be the leader. You need to go to Egypt, find Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. And Moses is on his way. Now, there's a lot of details on the way there, right? Moses had excuses. Moses had to go talk to his father-in-law. Moses was worried about getting in trouble and they're, they're seeking his life. All that's taken care of now. And now Moses is on the go. Got his wife, got his sons, and they're heading there. The passage even tells us that he's got his staff with him. Moses is obeying. Now, I'm telling you, it's partial obedience. There's some disobedience hiding in the background that you don't see yet. But he's obeying. 
And I want you also to see that didn't God tell us back from the beginning of the Bible that God has a plan to create a kingdom, to create a nation, to create a people that will be his people that will love him. Isn't God in the process of creating the nation of Israel, the people of God? He will be their father and they will be his people. Yes. Well, it's not going to happen if they're still in slavery. I mean, it's in the process of happening, but it's not going to be full. It's not going to be complete. It's not going to come to fruition until they get out of slavery. And so here goes Moses. And I want you to see that the, that the calling of God upon Moses' life, it's, it's happening. Moses is obeying. God's called him to go. Now he's on his way. There are a lot of hiccups in the road there. A lot of obstacles, but he's on his way. I don't know if Paul's here for just a second. I want to ask. I asked you a few weeks ago, what's God calling you to do? And are you on your way? What is it that you know? It's on your heart. God's telling you to do this. God's leading you to do this. Who is it in your life that needs you to serve them? Who is it in your life that needs you to witness to them? Who is it that needs to see some sacrificial love from you? God has not blessed you at all that you'd keep in all the blessings. God's blessed you that you would be a blessing. The people of grace should be gracious people. Who is it? What is it? Where is it? How is it that God has called you to do? And are you like Moses a little bit further down the process? Are you a little bit closer? This is what's happening with Moses. In many ways, Moses is obeying. But it's a partial obedience. I want you to think right now about how often you find yourself focusing on your obedience and trying to hide or ignore your disobedience. And I want to challenge you that you would not be content with being partially obedient. Maybe be the person who's able to look at our whole self. Not just partially. Secondly, not only partial obedience, but power display. Look at verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Now, God has told Moses that when you get there, show the power. The goal of going there is to let the people go, but the people being let go is not going to happen easily. It's going to be hard. Pharaoh is the all-powerful one. Pharaoh is is the king of Egypt. How's this going to happen? Well, Moses has to show some power. Not just show some power, but Moses has to show some power that shows that God is behind this. The message is not let the people go. The message is not I say let the people go. The message that needs to be communicated, okay? And this really ties into understanding the seriousness of disobedience. The message that needs to be communicated is that God is saying to you, Pharaoh, let the people go. Now that's what really matters. Will Pharaoh get... God said, let the people go. Stay, we're going to get that. And so God has made it, okay? God has made it where Moses is going to be able to display some signs, some big signs. A, a, a stick into a snake and back to a stick. A hand into, into leprosy and then, and then back into a hand. A, a water into blood and then, and then back into water. God is going to show that to Pharaoh so that Pharaoh will say, okay, that is God speaking. 
But even then, look at this. God says he's not going to listen. Even with the power of God, even with the power of the message of God, God has already told Moses, Pharaoh's not going to listen. You see there verse 21? But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, I don't want to ride this the whole time. You're going to see it a lot in Exodus over and over again. I've already said this in Exodus. But look, most people would say, if he's not going to listen, I'm not going. I'm not wasting my time. But that's not what obedience is like. I told you two, two or three weeks ago, obedience doesn't come if the consequences are worth our time. Obedience is not there just if we think it's worth it to us. God said, go and tell Pharaoh. Moses should go and tell Pharaoh. Just like mom or dad say, I don't need to tell you why. It's because I said so. And when it comes to God, the because I said so makes sense. The consequences here is that Pharaoh was not going to listen. Moses still should do it. Look back at chapter 3, verse 19. Chapter 3, verse 19. God had already told him this before. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. See, God's already said that. And the, and the signs that, that Moses is about to do here are not going to be a mighty enough hand. So God gives this great warning in verse 22. In verse 22 You'll say to Pharaoh, God says he's not going to let y'all go. He's not going to listen to you. His heart's going to be hardened. He's not going to listen. So then God says, you say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord. Does everybody see that in verse 22, thus says the Lord? Remember, the, 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 the important factor here is that this is what God is saying. Thus says the Lord, or in the King James Version, thus saith the Lord is a phrase that is also familiar to us, folks. This right here at Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, is the first time in the Bible that you have the phrase, thus says the Lord. This is the first time. Now, you know that the Old Testament is going to keep going, and the prophets are going to say that all the time. The the people get tired of hearing the prophets say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. That's all the prophets do. They tell the people what God is saying. But this is the very first time in Scripture where a man is to communicate, God says this. Folks, when it comes to the seriousness of disobedience, I want to ask you if it's enough. God says this. But God says otherwise. And I want to ask you, if you're like me, when you find yourself sinful and your attitude poor and your thinking self-centered, Do you come up with all these excuses starting to justify yourself the way I do? And you'll justify this and you'll justify this and you'll justify this. I want to ask you if it's enough to bring seriousness to your disobedience to hopefully drive repentance and therefore obedience. But God says otherwise. But I know he has said this. What about Ephesians 4.29 that says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Zero. No filthiness out of your mouth. None. And only such words that are good for the situation, for building up and edifying people. Or what about the, the Bible that says, Don't boast about tomorrow, because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. 
and the boasting that we do. Or what about the passage that says, oh, what a strong one. Don't let there be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Pure hearts. Is that enough that God says that to you? Or do you know other people who are much more sexually immoral than you, so you're not that bad? Or do you know a lot of people who are a lot more foul-mouthed? I mean, the the worst things you say are like sucks and gay and, and these things like that that aren't technically all that bad. It's pretty bad to me. And so we try to act like saying these things aren't that bad because it's not, I mean, it's not F words, it's not four letter words, it's not that. And so we, it's not enough to us that God says, let only things that come out of your mouth honor me. How is it that you're going to worship me here and curse people here? Those two things can't come out of the same mouth, God says. Is it enough to you that thus says the Lord? Is it enough to you that God says so? That matters to me. How many times in life with parenting, and all oh, the challenges that come with parenting. And I know I'm not even there yet. I, I've got zero that are teenagers yet. So I don't know half the, the, the troubles. But all the challenges that come with parenting. And is it enough to you that God says, here's how I want you to do it. Here's how I want you to parent. And is that enough to you that you'll stick to what he has said? I'm calling this power displayed. Because Moses is to go there and God says, show him my power. But then I want you to speak about my power. Here's the power that Moses speaks of. Notice, the power is not just in these signs, these miracles. The power is God says so, let him go. And if you're not going to listen to God, there's a problem. Look what happens. Israel is my firstborn son. Now, this is awesome. Y'all, God is speaking of his people in the singular. We, the people of God, are his people. Here, he's talking about the covenantal people of the people of Israel. This is my firstborn son, God says. John MacArthur says, The Lord pointedly referred to the nation collectively in the singular in order to show that he was a father in what he would do. God views his people as his children and God wants everybody in the world to know he is a father to them. They are his. He will take care of them. He takes responsibility for them. Their disobedience, he will work through. Their blessing, he caused it. God's a father to us. There's power in this. So he says, Israel is my firstborn son, Pharaoh. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. Look what it says next. If you refuse to do that, to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Now, there's a lot of unbelieving people in the world. They're going to read this passage and and stir up some controversy. Those people don't understand the seriousness of disobedience to a holy God. Folks, it is never okay to sin against God. Small ones and big ones. Hidden ones, open ones. Sin against God is wrong. It's just wrong. And as harsh as it sounds, 
it will send you to hell. If you don't think your sins are a problem or that they're serious, you very well may be on your way to hell. It is no joke. God sends a man to another man. Says, let my people go. And if you won't, I'm going to kill your son. It doesn't get more serious than that. Don't play lightly with your loose mouth. Don't play lightly with the disrespect to your parents. Don't play lightly with the sexual morality. Don't play lightly with your money. Don't play lightly with your marriage. Don't play lightly with life. It is not a joke. When God says, I'm going to kill your son, you and I ought to be all ears. What's he, what's he talking about? You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about rape. He's not talking about murder. He's not talking about child molestation. He's not talking about things that you think are awful. He's talking to a man who won't listen to God. He's talking to a man who will not honor God. That's serious. Power must be displayed. The consequences for disobedience must get high if people aren't going to understand how serious it is. Ten plagues are about to come in the book of Exodus. And after blood, then frogs, then gnats, then flies. And after the livestock dies. And after boils and hail and locusts. And after darkness to the eyes. Plagues upon his country Pharaoh still says, no, God, I don't care what you say. I don't listen to you. God says, that's wrong. And I didn't want to do it. And I don't like to do it. If you're not going to listen to me, there will be consequences. And he goes to kill the children. But even in God killing the children, which he had told them forever to listen. He still provides mercy. And he says, I'm coming to kill the children. If you don't want your child to die, put the blood of a lamb on the doorpost. At that point, finally, finally, Pharaoh says, once the children are dying, God's killing them. Pharaoh says, let them go. Finally, he listens. Power displayed. Oh, God is serious. And I know the world thinks, son, ain't no big deal. And I know when we compare ourselves to others, you're probably pretty good. That ain't it. We are a people with a relationship with God. And sin matters. Disobedience is not right. Power displayed. So we have partial disobedience, which we haven't even gotten to the sin yet. Then we have the power displayed, and though I'm about to show you the disobedience, I want you to see that the power is being displayed through Moses, who is the sinner. Find encouragement in that. God uses sinful people like me and you. My, my life and my past is, is full of sin and disobedience. And yet, God still uses me. Moses is walking in disobedience right now as we're reading this passage, and yet this is the one God is using. 
You go to Pharaoh. You are my man. You do the signs. You tell him, thus says the Lord. And he's in obedience, disobedience right now. It's encouraging. Point number three, the punishment for disobeying. Right after Moses has been told that what you're going to tell Pharaoh is that if you will not listen to God, God's going to kill your son. Right after he has said that, look at verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Notice. The hymn here in verse 24, in case you've gotten it confused, which I did the first several times I read it, is Moses. The passage turns. There's all type of discussion and confusion over this passage uh, because it's all about Pharaoh and how he's wrong and God's going to kill them. Verse 24 is Moses. So Moses is on his way. Moses has a calling. Moses is going to do what God told him to do. Moses has, thus says the Lord with him. Moses is going to tell Pharaoh the hard consequences of if you will not let God's firstborn son Israel, if you will not let them go and let them out of slavery, there's going to be a serious consequence. And while the consequence is going to be on Pharaoh, if he doesn't listen, Moses is right there in the crux of he's not obeying. And therefore, the consequence to Moses is very serious. Look at it. God meets him on the road at a lodging place. God shows up and is there what for? To kill Moses. How serious can it get? Moses is gone with a message from God. He's going to kill y'all. And while he's gone with the message, God says, I'm about to kill you. Now, in case I'm presenting this wrong, y'all, this isn't a crazy mean God. Trust me. And I hope that I'm not presenting it that way. This is some heartless, selfish, disobedient people. You read that and you think, well, what in the world? Now, it doesn't say it here. It does say it in some translations. But, but, but how was God coming to kill him? I don't know. Oftentimes in the Bible, you have an angel of the Lord representing God. The angel of the Lord has a sword. Maybe it was that. But it just says that God was there to meet Moses and to put him to death. Well, it doesn't really tell us a lot, but I want to ask you, what is it that would cause somebody, that would cause God to put somebody to death? There's only one answer. Only one answer. Sin. Sin in some area. Sin in some regard. Sin in some place has gotten God angry at Moses. There must be something that Moses hasn't done. And Moses isn't thinking about it. Moses is ignoring it. Moses isn't bothered by it. Moses is going on with life. You know what? Just because you've got nine things going right in your life and you're obeying, is there that one that you know is wrong? Maybe it's convicting you. Maybe it bothers you. But it just seems to be not such a big deal. The consequences don't seem to be glaringly obvious. Nobody's ridiculing you for it. And so you've just been letting it slide. Maybe there's an area of your life right now. Could be tithing. Could be witnessing to your neighbor. Could be your horrible witness at work. It could be your excuses. It could be your bad attitude. Could be your parenting, your marriage, your love. Could be whatever. And you're just ignoring it because you've got so much other stuff you're trying to focus on. Can't do that with God. We have to surrender everything to God. Say, God, have mercy upon me. Let the Lord Jesus Christ wash us clean of our sins. And then let God empower us to live for Him. We can't hide sins. We can't ignore sins. We can't sweep sins under the rug. Moses is going on his way. And God comes to kill him. Well, the natural question that you ask at verse 24 is, why? What? What's going on? Verse 25 shows us. Then Zipporah, his wife, 
took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. God left. So here's what the problem was. Moses had a son that was not circumcised. Now, I know. You want to talk about the seriousness of disobedience. If there's something that you and I think is not a big deal, it's something as small as circumcision. Like, what in the world? It's not that he's been having an affair on his wife, something huge like that. It's not that he just robbed a church, something like that. This guy didn't circumcise one of his sons. Notice that it says up there in, in verse 20, his sons are with him. So he's got more than one. And one of them's not circumcised. God's ready to kill him because of it. Now, let's think about this for a second. Circumcision is not just a little law to help you obey. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant with God. The way that you knew that somebody was a person of God, a child of God, a people of God, was that they had been circumcised. It was the sign. We are in a relationship with God. Moses didn't do that to his son. We don't know why. We don't know why. Maybe, one commentary said, now this is all just speculation, but maybe it's because he married a Midianite. She wasn't an Israelite. Maybe it wasn't a big, as, as a big of a deal to her. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's been, been so busy. I don't know. But he didn't. He didn't seem to be bothered by it. He didn't seem to be bothered by it, but there's something that God says to do that he didn't do. And now he's about to go down to Pharaoh, who doesn't believe in God, And about to tell him, here's what God says. With a son who's not representing the people of God. That's serious. This passage shows us that God hates sin. This passage shows us that sin will cause you to not complete or fulfill your purpose. I think many of you are living with that right now. I think many of you are thinking, I, I, had, I had these plans for my life, and yet sin and disobedience in this area now has me unable to do what I was desiring to do. I think many of you have experienced that. If Moses doesn't fix things here, God's going to kill Moses. And what will then happen with the redeem, redeeming work of God creating a people? What would that look like? Sin is serious. I want to point out something to you folks here you may or may not ever heard before. Omissions are sin too. Omissions. Y'all know what omissions are? Commissions are things you do. It's sin you commit. God says don't lie, you lie, you just committed that sin. Omissions are the things that you ought to be doing that you're not doing. This is typically, listen to me, This is typically the bigger problems for churchgoers. You don't do the committing. You don't do all the things that that you and I would recognize real quick. Like, hey, that's wrong. You don't walk around gossiping because I would say, hey, what's that? A lot of times, church-going people, lives are full of omissions. I wonder how many of you don't, don't, just honestly, don't honor God with your money. Nobody knows about it. 
I love you and, and, and I don't know whether you do or not. You, you're thinking, I, and it doesn't bother you that thus says the Lord, be a cheerful giver to your church. See, that's an, that's an omission that nobody knows about. And you've just kind of left that part out and it doesn't bother you. Well, this passage shows us that omissions are there too. Moses might have been doing so many things right, but he didn't circumcise his, his son, and now God's ready to kill him for it. There's a problem. Omissions are sins too. We have sins of commission and sins of omission, but both are wrong. Y'all, in, in life, there are things that you ought to do, and there are things that you ought to not do. Now listen here, uh, church people, and listen here, parents and families, this is something that we have to understand. Christianity is not just things that we don't do. That's not us. There are things that we don't do, but we don't want to be known for that. You're not going to hear me make a, a huge deal over things like drinking or smoking or cussing or, or, or things like that. That's, that, that's whatever. The, our, our lives are to be full of things that we are doing too. Not just the don'ts, but the do's. We're to be a people who are advancing the kingdom of God in the world. We're to be a people who are truly salt and light in the world, impacting. And yet there's a lot of people who are a part of church and say they love God who do zero for God, but they think they're okay because they're not doing the don'ts. It's wrong. So wrong. Moses here is not doing many bad things, but he's not doing the right thing. Y'all, the people of God are to be fire-driven, motivated, spirit-empowered people that say, I don't want to do the wrong things, and I want to do the right things. I almost got teary Wednesday night. We had a man raise his hand in church. L played at 7 o'clock. He said, I just, want to, I, just want to, I just want to give some credit to God right now. He said, when I was 40 years old, if you'd, have told, if you'd have told me I'd be at church on a Wednesday night, I'd have probably smarted off to you. He said, if you'd have told me I'd be at church on a Wednesday night when U of L was playing at seven, I'd have probably slapped you. He said, I just don't get it. But this is what I want to do right now. And I'll get home and I'll catch the second half. I'll catch the highlights. But I just want to give God some credit right now. Because what I want to do inside of me is to do what he wants me to do. Y'all, I love that. That's godliness. That is worship. God has put it in me to do what he wants me to do. Not just what y'all say are bad things, but also good things. This is a sin of omission. So God comes and says, I'm going to kill you. You didn't circumcise your son. So in other words, God has brought, God is going to bring a discipline. Okay, I talked about the, the consequences back up here and the power displayed where he's going to say to Pharaoh, if you don't let him go, if you don't let my first son go, then I'm going to kill your son. There's, there's, a, there's a consequence there and the consequences to drive you there. He does the same thing with Moses. The same threat that goes to Pharaoh is now coming towards Moses. There will be death for it. There's a consequence. I want you to know that when there's a consequence for disobedience, you'll, you'll start to listen. Matthew Henry speaking about this says, this is the voice of every rod. It calls us to return to him that smites us. I hate giving spankings to our boys. I do. And at times I'm so reluctant. But there is something sweet about a, a child after a spanking. Not running, that's wrong. 
Something's not been right there if they run. When they come back for a hug. I say, look, I don't, I don't want to do that. Your daddy loves you. I'm not mad at you. But you can't disobey like that. There will be a consequence. You can't spank and let them go hide. You can't spank and let them get mad. You can't spank and let them get, let them get hurt and all that. But you do have to let them know. There's a consequence. There's a seriousness for disobeying. Not just in 404 Chieftain Drive. Not just in the Green household. In the household of God. There is a consequence for disobedience. And you might be the top dog. God might speak to you in a burning bush. You might be the man that God's courting. You might be the one that God's going to set the people of Israel free and lead them to the promised land with. You might be the man, Moses. But you don't get away with sin. You don't disobey. There are consequences to it. So, his wife, praise God for wives, sees... Her husband's about to die. God don't play around with sins. So she immediately, look at verse 25. She jumps up. She took a knife and circumcised him. Verse 26 says, so God let him alone. There was repentance. They made it right. And you won't hear anything else about it. It's done. The passage goes right back into, okay, God's about to go accomplish his purpose. You sinned, you repented, grace has reigned, there's forgiveness. All right, let's keep going, Moses. We got a, we got a people of Egypt we got to go get. We got to go speak to Pharaoh, set the people of Israel free. But there had to be some repentance there. It wasn't swept under the rug. That's what Moses had been trying to do. It wasn't ignored. That's what Moses was doing. It was dealt with. And I want to ask you, and I want to encourage you, that whatever it is that God's convicting you of, or any disobedience in your life, instead of trying to ignore it, or justify it, or or focus on all the good you're doing, repent of it. Give it to God. Go to God. Make things right. I'll never forget one time, probably about three years ago, that I said something in a sermon on a Sunday morning that I think that I should not have said. Hope y'all don't remember it. But I said something on a Sunday morning that I think that I should not have said. I went home that afternoon and it bothered me, it bothered me, and it bothered me. And the people that were out there that I thought it should have bothered, I eventually said, I, I gotta call them. I can't, I can't, God's bothering me too much. God's convicted me. So I called them up, couldn't get them, left them a message. Waited a few more hours, I called them up, they didn't answer, I left them another message. So you know, my, my guilty conscience is going crazy out there. They're so mad at me, they're not even gonna answer my calls. I didn't know what to do. So finally I rode over to their house. Rode over to their house, they invited me in, I sat down with them, and praise God, they didn't even have any idea what I was talking about. They didn't get it. They weren't offended. They, they missed it. I was so thankful. But I want you to know that it bothered me so much that I might have said something wrong to someone of you sitting out there that I ran and tried to make it right. That's what God tells us to do. That's what we see Moses learning here and we see his wife jumping to. Repentance for sins. Listen, folks, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, I write these things to you, my little children, that you would not sin. Don't sin. But if anyone does sin, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Who is the propitiation for our sins. Folks, if you are a sinner, look to Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for sins. Confess your sins and be saved. Confess your sins and be forgiven. Live rightly. And when I say live rightly, I have to say this over and over again so we don't get the wrong message. When I say live rightly, I don't mean don't sin. I mean, even when you do sin, turn to God. Even when you do sin, repent. Even when you do sin, ask God for forgiveness. Just last night in our Bible reading at the house with the kids, we're reading the Action Bible right now, it's really cool. David sinned with Bathsheba. And as you know, in the story... David tries to act like it's not a big deal. He finally marries Bathsheba. He gets everything in place. He marries her. He tries to go on in life. He's not going to deal with that. And finally, Nathan the prophet comes and tells him that horrible story of a rich man who went and got the sheep from the poor man and act like there was nothing wrong with it. David says, you tell me who did this. They're not going to do this in my kingdom and I'm going to kill them. Nathan says, David, you are that man. You know what David did next? David went into his closet, bowed down to God and cried and prayed and didn't even eat for seven days. And his son died because of that sin. But David cried out to God. He was broken. He was wrong. He had been disobedient. And it took a while, but he realized the seriousness of his disobedience. And he said, God, have mercy on me. Renew in me a right spirit, O God. Cleanse me, he says in Psalm 51. There is a seriousness to disobedience. There is punishment for disobeying. Lastly, look at verse 26. So God let them alone. It was then that she said, a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron, listen, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. So, The passage ends like it begins, like here goes Moses, all's well, he's obeying God, and he's going. And so what we see here is that God is accomplishing his purpose in the world of creating a people that will worship him through sinners like you and I. Y'all, God uses us. God uses you. But he will not be okay with your disobedience. In using you, you have to be a sinner that is broken and repentant of your sin. The passage ends with Moses and Aaron being what God called them to be and telling the people and the people believing and the people are saying, hey, God cares about us. God hears about us. And they bowed their heads down and they worshiped God Almighty because he knew the situation they were in. He remembered his covenant and he was coming to let them go. He was coming to set them free. People praising God, punishment for disobeying, power displayed, and partial obedience. I want to end with this story. When I was in high school, college, 17, 18, 19, 
I was really growing in the Lord. I was excited. I didn't know much. And I wanted to grow. I started reading my Bible a whole lot and God was working in my life. I wasn't called into the ministry yet, but I was growing. And there was this man in our church who was probably about 40. Who asked me and a buddy if we could start having breakfast with him. So he could teach us some things, which I thought was cool. And I didn't, I didn't know much about discipleship or whatever. And so we'd start having breakfast with him every once in a while. And he was teaching us a lot. I want to encourage any of you uh, older men or women that can have breakfast with younger men or women to do it. It'll change some lives. So we would sit there and read the Bible and, and just ask tons of questions. He'd just give us nothing formal at all. I would ask questions and he would answer them. And it got to where this guy became like a hero of mine. Like, man, this, you know everything. How do you know so much? And I was just learning so much from him. And then and finally, one day it dawned on me and my buddy, like, why is this guy not one of the pastors in our church? Why are you not a youth pastor or whatever? So one day we had the courage to ask him again. I'm like 18, 19. He's like 40. He got real serious. He said, guys... I hesitate to tell you. When I was a young man, in my 20s, I messed up. I had some relationships with some women that were bad. I want you to know that I think God has made it where I should not be in a ministry vocation. Ministry should not be my job. I see it still this day as 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 a consequence that I... I disobeyed God. I knew better. I sinned in it. I lied in it. And I knew better. But I don't want y'all to think that it's all bad because I want y'all to see. God has absolutely changed things. He's forgiven me of my sins. And maybe He's using me now more than ever. I'm right here working in your lives. You're, you're listening to me and God's using me. And I'm a key part of the church. I've never forgotten that. And when I get into passages like Exodus 4, I see a man like Moses who had sinned, yet God had forgiven him. God was using him. I'm encouraged that God uses sinners. But the people of God that God uses are people who repent of their sins and ask for forgiveness for their sins and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. There is a seriousness to disobedience. May we, First Baptist Church of Fairdale, understand this. May we stand in the grace of God, forgiven of our sins, looking, trusting, and loving Jesus, our Lord and Savior, desiring to obey Him and Him getting the glory in our lives. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, God, for the instruction we get from Moses. God, I pray that today we would look to you and say, God, give us hearts for you. Make us faithful to you. God, we're never going to be perfect and not disobey. So even now we say we know that we do sin. God, may we be quick to repent. May we be quick to confess our sins. And Lord, would you have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.